Welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show that tests the purity level on the opiate of the masses. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. Fuck, that was a good one. I'm Dan Ludwig. <laughs> I've been sitting on it for a little That's bit. That's pretty good. And, uh, Dan, what's up, man? Uh, I just got back from, uh, uh, my homeland of Boston. Or, not my homeland of Boston, my homeland of Massachusetts. I get annoyed when people think I'm from Boston just because I'm from Massachusetts. Um, I got back from where I'm from, uh... And I am uh, seething with white hot rage. Not necessarily rage, but just disappointment. Seething with can you seethe with white hot disappointment? If anyone can, you can. Uh, so I spent my weekend at the Newport Folk Festival, which is an awesome folk festival that I probably shouldn't be telling people about because too many people are going there already. It was good. I got to see Portugal the Man perform. I got to see Phosphorescent perform. Uh, someone I didn't get to see perform, Marty, is Dolly Parton. At the end, see, at the end of every day, like all the acts from like who performed, uh, just get together and just sing like Pete Seeger or some shit. Uh, <laughs> and my family got sick of hearing Brandy Carlisle sing "If I Had a Hammer." Uh, so we're just like, "Do you want to?" What duck the out? fuck did you go to a folk festival for, then, my dude? I, I one, it's barely a folk festival. Jack White performed one year when I was there. Uh, wonk ass motherfucker. Uh, Jack White played a. Uh, I saw uh, Willie Nelson's kid play a guitar with his face. It was awesome this year. Um, but also, like, I heard Brandy Carlisle sing like cumulatively. I think three hours because like every single act would be like, and now coming out, Brandy Carlisle, and she'd be like, hey everybody. Uh, I still don't totally know who Brandy Carlisle is. Yeah, I gotta be honest, I, I, I'm not it, sure either. It sounds familiar. She started a band that's the female version of the Highwaymen called the Highwomen. It's not very good, uh, but they played like 800 times. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I was listening to Brandy Carlisle sing and my family decided to bounce. Basically, I saw uh, the guy from My Morning Jacket sing rainbow connection with kermit the frog i was That's like okay this is what they cool. this is what they're bringing to the table uh and then we got a text after we left like dolly parton just came out she's singing jolene oh no now she's singing nine to five it would be one thing if it was just like literally any other two dolly parton songs but it was jolene and nine to five two of the greatest songs ever written yeah no jolene in particular is an all-timer I spent my entire trip in Nashville just requesting it over and over again. I, I just googled Brandy Carlisle, and the first result for his top stories is watch Dolly Parton and Brandy Carlisle perform "I Will Always Love You." God, so damn you also missed the third greatest song of all time. <laughs> just so this is my life because I'm never going to see Dolly Parton perform ever again. Like tickets are, for her are like five hundred dollars and a finger. Like, it's never gonna happen. This was my one shot, and I blew it because we wanted to beat the traffic. Uh, let that be a lesson to you. Always suffer. And Brandy Carlyle warned us. She was like, 
You guys are gonna regret it if you leave early. Not like us specifically. Not like she saw us. <laughs> See, they pointed at your family. Yeah, just like, like she, she, like she was putting an ancient mummy's curse on us. Like you shall regret this. <laughs> More just, she was like, "Hey, if anybody's thinking of beating the traffic, you're gonna regret it for the rest of your lives." And we were like, "Fuck you, Brandy Carlisle." You've just been singing Pete Seeger for a half hour. You're not at all related to Belinda Carlisle from the Go-Go's. No! <laughs> Different spellings. Yeah, I, I yelled that at the stage. Like, <laughs> the Go-Go's are distinct and unconnected from you! <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, like a mummy's curse, it came true, and I just have to bear this chain around my neck for the rest of my days. How was your weekend, Marty? Uh, you need like a scarlet pair of fake breasts. To, like, brand you forever. <laughs> yeah. Scarlet D's. Uh, a scarlet, permed, giant thing of blonde hair. You can't have a scarlet wig. Or, no. Because I mean, that's a red wig. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, yours uh, were better. I went to... I went to a thing that's been, like, a local Philly area tradition. It's an institution. Uh, it's an institution at this point. It's called Skeletor Karaoke. Mm -hmm. uh, and the deal with Skeletor Karaoke is exactly out of what it sounds like. Uh, a guy dressed as Skeletor, who's been doing this for, like, 15 years now, yeah. like, is your gong show host. And he sings songs about being evil. Uh, he wrote an entire parody of uh, Enrique Iglesias' Hero, mm -hmm. which is, of course, villain. Yeah. Uh, and if he doesn't like your shit, he will gong you out. Uh, he'll dance with you if he, he wants. Sometimes he'll punish you and make you sing a different song. Um, he did not like me. Yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, I would say, like, his deal is to huckle people, but he was just, like, outright, like, fuck this guy. This guy in particular. <laughs> to be fair, I was very out of place, so we saw this at, um... The place he normally did, it closed down at the Trocadero Theater. They so, they did in, like, this creaky little attic in the Trocadero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was his, like, his, like, uh, where he loomed. Like, he was the king of that area. Yeah. So I saw, we went to this at, like, this bar in Wilmington, Delaware. Bar 13 in Wilmington, Delaware. He's out in Wilmington, Delaware Dude, now? Dude, he's everywhere now. He's, he's touring. Jesus. Uh, the next show's gonna be down the street at World Cafe Live. Uh, but, so, Bar 13 is a very weird bar. Uh, it's kind of a goth bar. Uh, I know they have, like, kink nights there. And this mm -hmm. is in Wilmington, Delaware. But I was... Wilmington, Delaware, a place I'm pretty sure no one's ever had sex. <laughs> yeah. So, I was definitely, uh, not dressed appropriately for the goth bar. Mm -hmm. I was wearing, like, my brightest shirt, my oh. loudest thing. Of course. Uh, he, Skeletor called me Zach Galifianakis on numerous occasions, which is just hurtful. I uh, and he did not like that I came up to do uh, One Week by Bare Naked Ladies. Okay, yeah, no, uh, you left yourself very exposed for Stel Skeletor to go in. Oh, yeah, no, he went, he went in hard. You can't give, he I mean, B&L rules, but also, like, I've, you can't give him that kind of exposed stomach. I have pulled that off before. I did not pull it off tonight. Uh, also, just, like, I, I underestimated, like, how good their karaoke selection was. Because for me, like, when I think karaoke, I'm, like, cheesy songs between the eight, the years of, like, 1983 and about 2001. Yeah. And, no, they were just, like, one guy went up and did, like, Nathan Ratliff's uh, SOB. Yeah. Nathaniel Ratliff's, which is a song that came out last year. I would never have thought about doing a song that came out last year. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Skeletor, like, flat out said on stage, he was like, I don't like you. <laughs> like, you and I don't get along. He made me do uh, Summer Girls by LFO uh, as punishment. And then I came up later in the night, closer to closing time, 
and tried to do... Um, you tried again? I did. I was, I was like, can I redeem myself? And the song I chose to redeem myself was uh, Centerfold by Jay Giles Band, and he just didn't even let that happen. Oh, he was just like, he, like, get off the fucking stage. Oh, gee. And I, I, mean, was, I was like genuinely hurt by this for a little bit, but I was also like, this is a stupid thing to be upset about. <laughs> like, it's I, this guy's job to heckle people. I mean... Skeletor's gonna go in, especially, like, Skeletor has been kind of, like, star- I I went to, like, well, the first one I went to, Skeletor, this was, like, eight years ago, and Skeletor Karaoke was one of the most brilliant, like, fun things I've ever, like, gone to, and then I went a couple of years later, and I brought a bunch of people, I was like, guys, you gotta see Skeletor Karaoke, it rules, but he'd been doing it for, like, another five years, so everyone I brought to was like, are you sure this is fun? Because this seems horrible, because it was, like, like he was, he felt tired. Like it's, he's very clearly just doing it for his friends at this point. Yeah, and because I'm sure they pay him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he make he probably makes like solid money. But yeah, like you can only be Skeletor for so long before you run out of ma- things that Skeletor would say. So speaking of, uh, you're gonna be regret it if you leave at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you cut off this podcast before the end, you're gonna regret it. Dolly Parton won't come to your home. That's no. right. <laughs> That's right, we've got to deal with Dolly Parton to visit all of our listeners. I sold my soul to Brandy Carlisle, (laughs) devil style, and now we have uh, Dolly Parton in our contract. My god, dude, you can't promise those things. Uh, No, the reasons that you will be upset if you end this podcast before, you know, it's full ending is, number one, we have new music. We have new ending music by the Brothers Rye. Thank you very much to... uh, the other band, Ask Again slash Midair Machine, for letting us use their song forever. But we're but done with you! We're done. <laughs> we're done. We've moved on to Brothers Rise. So thank you to them. Uh, the song is called Off Season Blues, and it rules. Yeah. So we're very excited for that. If you are ever in the Cape Cod area, check them out. Uh, they play Martha's Vineyard a lot. They're fucking great to see live. They're very fun. Uh, yeah. And you can check them out on Spotify, Apple Music, and all of the other places that you can get music. Um... And the other thing is, if you stay to the end, listen to the off-season blues, and then at the very end, I'm very excited for this. You may remember a couple of episodes ago, the episode with Grant on it, uh, where we hypothesized the idea that, like, if Barney Fife ever ran for president, he would not accept his loss. Yeah. Um, so, some of our listeners went ahead and wrote that scenario. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much to Patreon subscribers Jack Royce and Guts. Uh, who went in together and wrote us a, I guess, a fanfic? Like I think they wrote... it technically qualifies as a fanfic. Yeah, and it's not an, it's, uh, I love about this, it's not an Andy Griffith show fanfic. It's very clearly Breaking Mayberry fanfic. Yeah. Because it's our interpretation of these characters. We were not optimistic about the fanfic that this would generate if it ever did. Blew our expectations wide open. It rules, it rules, it rules. So what we did was we took it. And we made another deal with another devil. Yeah. Uh, erotic Don Not. <laughs> An erotic devil. Uh, the podcast dedicated to, well, reading erotica. It's what Don it Knott. sounds. It's, it's what it it's, sounds like on the tin. What you see, what's on the book's cover is what's in there. So, if you stay to the end, after the Brothers Rise song, you will hear the first of, like, three or four episodes serialized of the Barney Fife um, presidential saga starring erotic Don Knotts. Yeah. 
Uh, we're doing this as an audio play, folks, and what is this? What is our life now? You know, you just gotta kind of roll with it. I'm pretty sure I've just been disassociating since we started doing this, and just, I'm, I'm just kind of rolling with it. You've got, like, an out-of-body experience thing going on. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, drink a little more. So let's go ahead and roll into these episodes that we've got for today. Let's they're, fucking get into it. They're okay episodes. They're they, fine. They exist. They, one of them made me feel something. That's cool. Um, yeah, it was secondhand sexual frustration, but still. Today's episode, the first episode we're going to do today is Season 2, Episode 27, uh, Three's a Crowd, originally airs April 9th, 1962, written by Charles Stewart and Jack Ellenson, and directed by, oh, let me just squeeze past you there, Bob Sweeney. Guy who's somehow going through two divorces simultaneously, Bob Sweeney? <laughs> and here is the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney keeps interfering with the romance between Andy and County Nurse Mary, preventing them from being alone. Um, we should have been introduced by the County Nurse by now, but we skipped the episode entitled County Nurse. We'll get to that next we'll, week. We'll double back to it. So but it I doesn't guess, matter because it's, it's a different actress. Like, the, the actress that plays Mary in this is different than the actress that plays Mary in the other episode. I mean, honestly, that's fine because this character could not be less of a person. Yeah, this character, like, just nothing. Just all right, so character traits. Nurse. Nurse. Right? Nurse. Blonde. Yep. Uh, female. Uh-huh. I don't got anything else. I... She can make pizza? Yeah, that's a that's Able kind to of make a trait. pizza. It's kind of a trait. Not really a personality trait, but it is like, I guess... It's like a feature. Yeah. <laughs> um, she can make pizza. She's a nurse. She's female. She's blonde. Mostly she's blonde. Like, blonde is like 80%. There's a lot of blonde personality to this, yeah. Yeah. So, let's go ahead and uh, let's get into this. Um, the episode pretty much just, ent- like, starts with Andy and Barney at the jail, and the nurse, Mary, comes right on in, and she's like, Hello! I'm the plot of this episode. Hi, I'm Mary! And then Andy's like... Yeah, she ha- she has to announce it, right? Because she's a different Mary than yeah. the last Mary. Um, uh, they don't, like, no one at home watching this at the time cared. They were just like, ah, blonde. Yeah. Uh, I think she's, like, the one of, like going to be, like, the only blonde main character. So that's just going to be, like, her identifying factor. And so she, she came in just kind of to say, hey, uh, now she's the county nurse, so, like, she's traveling along. Uh, and she mentioned that she can't stay very long because she's got to drop off some meds. Uh, probably to, like, some farming family out in the sticks or something. And also she has to leave now, and it's going to be a big hassle because, like, a tree fell and a road's blocked off. You think that they're not going to discuss uh, travel in a fictitious county for very long? They do, though. They do talk about the routes that she could take other than I-96. They get into it for a hot minute. Uh, And Andy then uses that to transition to, like, well, you know, if uh, if you need a ride, I could uh, I can drive you there. It wouldn't really be a problem. Uh, to which Barney uh, just jumps in, like he nearly jumps over the turnstile or the the like gate. And you know, do you need a ride? I can give you a ride. I can do the ride all the time. Yeah, just teleports in. Yeah. So we're gonna like I think spend some time figuring out what the living fuck Barney's motivation is in this episode. I have a theory. I, I think I suspect what your theory is. Um, we should probably get a little bit more let's into get, what he does first, but like... Let's get further into it, but then I'll share my theory. His actions are baffling. Yeah. So he immediately teleports, offers to drive her instead for some reason, uh, and then she's like, 
no, I'll drive myself, it's cool. Um, Andy shoots Barney a death glare. The first of many. I think I probably, in the show notes, should have cataloged each and every time Andy Griffith, in a surprisingly good piece of acting, looks like he wants to murder a person with his brain. so good. Yeah. (sighs) Andy Griffith is like, he's awake, he's alive, he is transmitting intense sexual frustration that you, I don't, I'm surprised he's not allowed, he's allowed to do on old-timey television. I think this is the first time on this series that we've seen him just look furious yeah just look enraged i think we've seen violence like like irritated before but this is the angriest we've ever seen him yeah we've seen him distressed the time that barney got his keys stolen but this is the first time he's like he's been pissed including the time a guy pointed a gun at his child yeah Yeah. he he just laughed that one off yeah like both of that's happened multiple times and what times he's been like all right now you gotta stop being foolish. You yeah. gotta, you gotta cut this out. I'm being stern, and now Barney is preventing him from having sex, and he's like, "I'm gonna throttle you." And he goes with Plan B, where he's like, "Well, uh, what you doing tonight?" And she's like, "Ah, oh, you know, I don't really want to go out." And he's like, "What if, uh, what if we hung out at your place?" Well, hang on a second. No, first he offers to go see a movie. Yeah. He and this is kind of key. First he offers to go see a movie, and she's like, eh, "I've already seen that movie." This is. Like, slightly important to me because it really feels like she is not into him. Multiple times throughout this thing, I'm just like, dude, she is giving you what is is pretty clearly like a polite no. That's Mm. the kind of the the rule is like, if you ask a girl to, if if you ask a woman uh, (laughs) to go out and she doesn't propose an alternate time or alternate plans, she's not into it. Yeah, she was giving you a polite thing. She's like, I've already seen it. And he goes, well, well, although I've already seen it is like, if that's a rebuffing, that's a little bit of a rude rebuffing. That's, that's one of several things after yeah. throughout this episode. Uh, so then Andy that like says, well, what if we hang out at your place? And then she's like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's hang out. Maybe I'll make us a pizza or whatever. It'll be good times. And then Barney's like, yeah, it'll be good times. I'm included. He just, like, appears. <laughs> he just appears, like, bewitch style. Like, like, it's actually a really good choice that Bob Sweeney's making where he doesn't show Barney approach. Just the camera moves slightly and Barney's like, I've been here the entire time! <laughs> I'm, I'm here in this conversation, wide-eyed, unblinking, like a lunatic. And he says that he's, he bought some new bongos and he's going to bring them in. The so new harmonica. We moved from the harmonica to the bongos. It's much less portable. A, a twisted dark god answered our cries for no more harmonicas. <laughs> we said no that, more that, harmonica. A monkey's, monkey's paw yeah. curled. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it was replaced by bongos. Um... <laughs> So, and he's like, yeah, so I'll bring Thelma Lou, uh, we'll come to your house. We'll have a foursome. Yeah, yep, uh, we'll swing. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll come by, I'll bring my bongos, and Mary is like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's my, that's the other thing. Mary gives no indication that she minds any of this. Yeah. Like, Mary's just like, yeah, come on over, cool, yeah, sure. Fuck it. Yeah, whatever. I, Which makes me think that Mary's not into Andy. Um. Or... Mary, I, the entire time this is happening, I'm like, does Mary understand what's, like, how aware is she of what's going on around? She's not super cognizant of anything. She is like, one, I'm like, does she realize that Andy is trying to make moves? And is, because it genuinely seems like she's just like, 
You want to come over to my house and hang out? I see no possible pretense for this. Oh, you want to drive me somewhere? What a kind thing for you to do. She doesn't see, it's not that she doesn't seem into it. She just seems like she's like, unaware. Yeah. yeah. So the next scene is at Mary's house where we're doing some singing and I don't know what they're singing this time and Andy's playing the guitar, but all you hear is bunga, 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 like, like just arrhythmically tapping out those bongo. Yeah. And honestly, in my, th- this may be me being a, uh, a Philistine, but it sounded good. It was fine. Yeah. It was fine. Andy was not, like, thrilled with it. He was like, yeah, those uh, those bongos are pretty out of place with this folk song. And somehow uh, Andy was Andy Griffith managed to radiate rage. Like, the screen, it, it's in black and white still, but the, the area around him was slightly red. And and I love this bit of, of acting by Don Knotts because, like, he's super sweaty, his hair's out of place, and he just delivered this line like, I just thought I would liven it up. There's no rule that says you gotta play a song the same way every time. And I don't know who he's talking to. He's, like, looking off screen. He looks like a madman, and it's amazing. Why is Don Knotts playing Barney Fife coked out this week? (laughs) He's not... He doesn't blink. He's sweating all the time. He's slightly too close to everybody. Like, is this the week that Barney Fife discovered coke? I mean, maybe, like, maybe. He started doing poppers? He's style. This is definitely another, like, Barney Fife horror villain episode. Oh, like, yeah. You can't lose him. No. He's he, everywhere. He's unshakable. I'm not, I'm pretty sure Don Knotts blinks less in this episode. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's creepy. So Thelma Lou's like, hey, let's go now. So, yeah. And Barney's like, I don't want to leave. You, you sure you want to leave? It's going to be real boring without these bongos that I brought. Um, and Thelma Lou is like, Barney. Let's go. And he's like, okay. Not comprehending this at all. Which leads, like, again, the people's comprehension of what the fuck is going on in this episode is very tenuous. It's like simultaneously extremely 1960s and also almost like Adult Swim-esque. So, I guess I'll say my theory Yeah, now. say, drop your my theory. theory. Barney knows exactly what he's fucking doing. Okay. He knows exactly what he's doing. And this, this uh, a wrench kind of gets thrown into this theory later on. But I think he knows what's going on. He is uh, deliberately getting in the way. Not necessarily because he wants to fuck Mary, but he probably doesn't want to fuck Mary. But also because, fuck you, Andy. He, this is, we've seen Andy torture Barney for years. For years. Yeah. And now Barney's like, I'm going to take my revenge. I'm going to take my revenge and I'm going to get in the way. And he's basically daring him. He's like, have a slightly awkward conversation with me, Andy. Do it. Do it. Have a conversation that might hurt my feelings. Come on. Do it, bitch. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep coming. I think this shit is deliberate. So my theory, I have a simil- similar theory. I think Barney is in some some weird form of denial about Andy wanting to have sex. Because this is like the most sexually explicit episode like, not necessarily sexually, but, like, physical romance. Like, in the past, when uh, Andy was, like, hanging out with Ellie, uh, and he was like, let's go on a date. Someone else was like, I want to come. He's like, that's fine for a date. The dates don't require privacy at all. And this is, like, the most sexually explicit because it, it acknowledges that parts of a date require no one else to be around, which is, like, it's the closest the Andy Griffith show comes to acknowledging that, that people that, fuck. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so, like, but 
Barney is in like complete denial about that possible element of romance to the point that like he's either a and fair so is mary yeah like it's okay so my thing it's like like andy's the only one it's it's like the plot of the movie yesterday except andy woke up and he's the only person who can remember sex exists yeah no it's exactly (laughs) instead of the beatles it's sex honestly (laughs) the concept of fucking this episode you know how especially when you were like young like teenager to early 20s you were like you needed to invent pretenses to like hang out but like how about i just like come over your place and study and like Oh man, the air conditioning in the living room is uh, broken. I guess we better stay, like, go up into my room. Yeah. Uh, and like, it's like that logic where, like, if Andy had been like, "Hey, I want to hang out alone at your place," you'd be like, "What are we going to do at my place?" Like, yeah, and, and that happens like immediately afterwards because uh, after Barney and Thumbaloo leave, uh, Andy's like, "So I was thinking about a picnic, right? You ever been on a picnic? There's a real pretty spot out there." We could go, and Mary's like, yeah, that sounds nice. Let's take your son. Which is indication number two to me that she's not into this. But then, no, but also, why would she want him to bring his fucking son? That's like, no, I I disagree, because she'd be like, oh, I'm not into you. Introduce me to your child. (laughs) Like, like, let's get your child to imprint on me as a mother figure. I'm not digging this. (laughs) Okay, okay. Uh, it seems kind of, like, asexual to me, though. Like, she's just like, look, another human being. Bring uh, bring more human beings, because I don't really want to be alone with you. It's something. It's weird. It is definitely, like, Andy Griffith is the only one that understands that there is such thing as physical intimacy. And it makes this scene real creepy. Because he, like, maneuvers, like, to sit next oh. to her. And he moves he's... couch parts so that she only has the option to sit next to him. Yeah, like, he, he takes the middle seat, so no matter what, she has to, like... Yeah. Uh, and... And then I... he puts a pillow in place so she can't sit on his, like, left side. She has to sit on his right side where, oh, look what's there, my arm. And I realize that none of these behaviors is, like, necessarily creepy if you do it, but it's just the way he comes across while doing it is just slimy. Yeah. Uh... And then it doesn't matter because immediately the doorbell rings and Barney comes charging back in. Yeah. Like, uh, like Jason Voorhees. Like, just, just, who, we. Famous for ringing doorbells, Jason Voorhees. Famous for using doors. <laughs> <laughs> now, if he was Jason Voorheesing, he'd be circling the property, cutting the power lines. Which, honestly, for this episode. It's possibly. Not unreasonable. Yeah. So Barney comes back and he, and he starts to eat the pizza. He's like, oh, you got pizza here. What is this, mozzarella? I love that mozzarella. Mm, mm. And he, this is the scene that makes me think that Barney's like in on this. Cause he like shoots, uh, he shoots Andy like a nod and a smile. And it's practically a wink. Yeah. Like the look he gives him is just like, fuck you. Fuck you. Come on, motherfucker. This he, I, he, He's daring Andy to have an awkward conversation. He is. Okay. So this entire episode, if a person did if, if a person did 30% of this episode to me, they'd be dead to me for at least a while. If someone did all of this episode to me, I'd kill them. I'd straight up, like, if one of my closest, dearest friends did this entire episode to me, I am not, and I'm not saying that it's like I'd make a decision, like, my body would take over and I'd I'd throttle them. Hey, Dan, do you have any, uh, any dates planned this weekend? Uh, I'm just wondering. 
you will never again know the contents of my social life. You will. Maybe I have a girlfriend. Maybe I'm celibate. You'll never find out. So we've only touched on the beginning, but already this part, if you, one, Andy should have just like had this awkward conversation of like, man, come on, I'm trying to, trying to do some shit here, which isn't even that awkward of a conversation. Just like, that's like a high five conversation. Right, right. Yeah. Well, well, okay. So should should we just skip to the part where he does that? Because basically, the 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 next scene is just the same thing. Yeah. Again. He tries again. Uh, he does another date, and this time he's like, Barney, you can't come. You have to stay here at the office and file. They they do a, actually a pretty funny bit of Don not calling him repeatedly about filing questions as Andy Griffith again gets so mad. Which is, not, like, doing a really job of getting mad. To the point that, and they also, like, make the inexplicable decision to see Mary get scared by how mad Andy is. She's like, is this okay? Am I safe? Oh, no. And, the, man, the man I'm alone with is screaming into the phone. Oh, there's, I should also mention, like, this starts off with, like, again, it's the same date. He's just playing the guitar and singing to her. And there's... It's such a weird he's acting in a choice. Full suit. He's in a full Yeah, and it's the first time we've ever heard Andy sing something that isn't, uh, like, a folk song. Yeah. But uh, the actress's name is Sue Ann Langdon, and it's such a weird decision that she makes. I think for a second, like, the actress might forget what's going on, but I, women who listen to this podcast, please go and watch this episode and watch this scene, because there's a moment where her eyes just kind of drop and she stares off at the at the floor for a little bit. And it's definitely the, oh, you're still going. Oh, there's another verse to this song. Like, look. Yeah. She just, like, stares off like, I okay, we're good. I'm just smiling politely at this point. <laughs> uh, we should actually throw out, like, the community poll. Uh, women who listen to our show, drop us a line and let us know if Mary is at all into this. Because it is a fucking puzzle that eludes me. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm thinking she's not. I'm. So. I don't think she. I. I. I think she's ambivalent. I think she could kind of take this situation or leave it. I think. She, I think her predominant feeling is like, eh, this date passes the time. He his ears are slightly too big, but he has a good singing voice. Fuck it, I could do worse. So so, finally, the next day we have that conversation, and from this moment in the uh, episode. It pretty much throws a wrench into everything we just said. Yeah, your theory kind of falls apart here. Not if you, because they have that conversation. Uh, there's a pretty funny bit. Andy dances around the subject, and he's like, Hey, we've been spending a lot of time all together. Don't you think it's time that maybe we spent some time alone? And Barney's like, Yeah, yeah, you're right. He picks up the phone. He calls Sarah to call Thelma Lou, uh, and says, Hey, Thelma Lou, I can't, I can't be out tonight. Andy and I are going to spend some time alone. And he hangs up and goes, Insane! What are we doing tonight? Which, again, I... see. I, it's I, a very good joke, it's but a good what? Joke. It's a good joke, but it's absolutely, like, like, like the same way that you would fuck with somebody. Like, you you would fuck with me this way. Yeah. You would absolutely do I this. I have fucked with you, you this way. You absolutely have. And then it finally forces Andy to just be like, to just be like, oh my god, that's not what I meant, man. Yeah. What I meant was, I want to spend some time to... I want to spend some time with Mary alone. There's yeah. some things I want to say to her alone. I want to be alone with her. Do you get it? Do you get it? And Barney's like, yeah, I get it. And Andy leaves and Barney goes, 
He's gonna pop the question. He's gonna propose to her. So, if he hadn't said that line with no one else in the room, I would say that your theory is 100% correct, because he'd be like, yeah, enter phase two of plan fuck Andy. Uh, or... The, uh, enter phase two of the cock blockening because uh, <laughs> uh, it would be this it would be a perfect brilliant scheme but he says that so like unless it was more like oh he's gonna propose to her he's like i'm he, gonna make sure he's doing like the lace finger like the the finger tapping like yeah yeah yes, yes he's, he's going he's going to propose actually i'm back on board now yeah because because like immediately like the it took me a second. I had to like rewind to figure out how much time had passed. Like on his lunch break, he goes to Thelma Lou and he goes to Aunt B. He just blabs immediately. Hey, did you know that Andy's going to propose? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Even in a world where this is not a bug fuck assumption of just like, hey, uh, this girl that I've been dating for like two seconds, who isn't even technically my girlfriend, who I haven't even like kissed, I'm gonna marry with marry her. Even in a world where that's not a fucking insane thing to think. Uh, if, imagine someone in your life, like, is going to get married, and before they actually get engaged, you tell everyone in their life that it's going to happen. That is, like, such an insane, over-the-top personal violation. Like, a, that's the kind of shit that, like, people get excommunicated from families for. Yeah. Like, there are Irish families that don't talk to one of their brothers because they did this shit. Uh, according to the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki, this is the first time that Barney assumes, they even put assumes in quotation marks, assumes that Andy is getting married and causes trouble based on said assumption. This would be a common plot device throughout the series. Wonderful. Oh, great. <laughs> We're going to get more of this. Fucking wonder, because this one made me feel so good. Uh, uh, so he spreads the news all over town. Because I think this is phase two of fucking with Andy. Because I think his whole plan is just, Andy's messing with me so hard, I'm going to make sure he never has sex again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ruin the concept of sex for Andy. It, it is kind of a beautiful, diabolical so speech. Funny. I'm coming around. I'm on board with your theory. Okay, so so he tells he tells Thelma Lou and he tells Aunt B Who cries! Yeah, they Who both- is so emotionally moved by this moment like she's like, and he's getting married. He's yeah, getting except they. Oh my god, I'm ha- I'm freaking out. Like he is doing actual emotional damage to Aunt B right now. And and like he come Andy comes back from I guess lunch or whatever because all this happened in the span of an hour. And Thumbaloo like walks up to him, and both Thumbaloo and Aunt B act like they just learned that Andy has leukemia. Yeah, like they walk up to him and they're like. Oh, and they like just whisper, run. and they and they hold they hold him tightly, and they give him a kiss on the cheek, and they like pat him, and they run away. Super weird, uh, especially very weird, especially less Thumbaloo. weird for Aunt B. Super weird for, thing for uh, even in the context of what she thinks is happening, an insane thing to do. Yeah, like Andy should have immediately walked into the jail and be like, "Man, Barney, we gotta talk." Um, the woman that you're trying to cheat on on uh, a pretty regular basis just kissed me. Um. I think not on the lips, but it was uh, without any context or words spoken. So it's uh, it's weird. Um, so I guess you got to go talk to her. It's probably fine, but you got to go talk to her. Yeah, that was a weird thing to happen. But but instead, Andy's just like, huh? Maybe 
people have a cold? Yeah. I don't know. What, what, what the hell? Like, I better not investigate this at all. I'm a yeah. good sheriff. Yeah. I have no follow-up <laughs> questions why everyone is acting like I'm about to die. Yeah. Uh, so all he can focus on is that he's going to go to Mary's that night. They're having a nice dinner. and Also, if the if those two events, if Thelma Lou and Aunt B kissing me like that had happened, like while almost crying, coming up and kissing me on the cheek, and then followed by Barney... Walking and doing a very weird face and just comes up and just like shakes his That's hand. That's right, he does. He does like a handshake and then walks away. I would assume that as soon as I walk out, I'm about to get Shirley Jackson the lottery. Oh, like, yeah. I would assume that I would like walk out and the entire town would be lined up in front of me and they would just start throwing. Like, I assume I'm about to be ritualistically sacrificed. I don't, don't get in any boats, I would say. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's definitely it's, like, that was extremely like, you're about to fucking die. Yeah, no, it's, it's. It's super, I knew it was you, Fredo. Yeah! Like, oh, the face that Don Knotts does as he's shaking his hand, hate it. I hated seeing it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a face you make when you put a hit out on your best friend. Also combined with Don Knotts' atrocious posture, Don Knotts really... It's super weird. He's like very hunched, like like his shoulders are just above, are up to his ears essentially in this one. Yeah, like, it's really bad. Do you think he, like, I can't tell if it's Don Knotts making a conscious acting choice which must have really done permanent damage to his body or if don Knotts was like this had scoliosis yeah like i don't know there's something wrong with that man's body he's is it like malnutrition from the war (laughs) uh uh so so yeah so they're having a nice dinner uh and they're alone and they're really emphasizing the fact like yep i talked to barney we won't be bothered no one's gonna come Smash cut to Barney and Thumbaloo and the whole fucking town. Except for Opie, who isn't in this episode? Uh, yeah, no, they were like, this is the sexy episode. We can't have oh, we can't have Ron Howard anywhere near this. But they're they're We having, can't get all this puberty all over him. But we they're they're planning alright, so we're gonna as we're gonna give him an hour, that's enough time to pop the question, then we're gonna run in and surprise them. Have a surprise, you know, because everyone wants to see everyone they know. 15 minutes after getting engaged. Yeah, no, definitely. Also, going on the hardcore assumption that she's going to say yes. Yeah. This woman that they just met that Andy has never introduced to any of them is definitely 100% about to say yes, she will marry him. Which might be normal. I don't know. Who knows how the shit goes? 1960s? I don't know. If so, crazy. Uh. I'm I'm wondering how is it, was this less insane by uh, time relevant standards? I feel like not. I feel like this was definitely insane no matter what. Yeah. Um. So Andy decides to say that hey, let's go for a drive, and they drive to a very wonderful moonlit matte painting of a lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a a beautiful mural that they're standing. <laughs> they're, they've parked in front of a great Bob Ross painting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, so they're out there, and Barney brings his gang of, like, 30 people with all these, like, picnic things. His swarm! He rounds up a posse, <laughs> he builds a caravan, and he <laughs> lays siege to Mary's house! Yeah. They, he's like, he's like, when they're going up to the house, he's like, do serpentine so the machine guns can't get you! Like, he's doing attack patterns, they, like they're the buggers in Ender's game! He's SEAL Team 6s this shit! Yeah! Like, they're, but they're like armed with buckets of potato salad. Yeah. 
He's like, they might get some of us, but but ninety percent will eventually breach their bunkers. I mean, and have a picnic. Yeah, it's crazy. So. They go on a drive, and Barney bursts through the door, and everyone's like, what the hell, Barney? (laughs) Everyone's like, what the hell, Barney? Are you full of shit? And he's like, no, I'm trustworthy. And they're all like, no follow-up questions. Let's go. He's like, they were here. He, like, points at the dinner. He's like, look, they were here. We're on the trail. This candle was recently burnt. (laughs) And just as they're walking- This food is still warm. (laughs) As they're walking out, one of the farmers is like, so do we have nothing going on today, or, like, do we not have plans ever? And so they, like, I guess wander into the woods? <laughs> yeah, they're just, like... <laughs> because because what's happening is we go back to, to uh, Mary and Andy in the car, and, like, he's just about to do something, and then all of a sudden, Aunt, this is, again, horror movie. Yeah! Just, Barney appears out of nowhere. Ah! They're having, like, a legitimately romantic conversation. It is, like, a point in terms of Mary being, like, at least eventually becoming into it. Because she does seem to be like, this is a nice night. We're, uh, we're all alone. And he's like, yeah, we are. There's no one for miles. And she's like, yeah, there's no one for miles. And then they start to kiss. And then she goes like, what the fuck was that? And then you just hear Barney go like, I found them! I found them! Again, very horror movie, right? Yeah! It's a couple in the middle of the woods. They're making out. And all of a sudden, she's like... Oh, what did I... I just heard something, and... Like, for at least one second, Mary was like, you have your gun, right? Yeah. 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 Like, that's that's every urban legend. And then Barney pops out of the wood. I found them! And then, like, a whole bunch of people... Zombie zombie style! Just swarm. Attack! Attack this car. And just start, like, grabbing Andy and, like, shaking his hand and just, like, shaking Mary. And, like, Andy's just like, like, ah, I'm upset. Mary is like... I don't know what's going on, but this is fine. And she should be like, oh my god! Like, she should be, like, like doing that thing where you put your car keys in your hand, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Wolverine, and just clawing at people. And uh, finally, they kind of just give in. They're having a big old party. Finally, Andy's just like, you know, they're very clearly getting affirmative consent, Andy. Uh, is just like, look, we're clearly not getting any space alone. Do you mind if I court you in public? <laughs> And she's like, Imagine if you read in the sexual subtext of this, it's such a gross. Sentence. You want to go dogging? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and no, and she was just like, yeah, you can do that. Do this. And he's like, do you mind? Would like to kiss you right now? She's like, sure. I don't think anyone's paying any attention to us anyway because they're just having yeah. a party around the car now. Her, yeah, her justification isn't like, sure, I like you. It's like, I don't think it would have any consequences. So yeah, and then. I was expecting just, like, a quick little, like, like small kiss and then fade to black. No, they fucking go at they, it. They, t- uh, tongues, so, like, cross lips, man. Like, and, that's, and that's, like, for a good four or five seconds, and, like, it, the, it goes down and just, like, like while they're tonsil deep in each, like, Sweeney, like each other. fade out! Just, and then, boom, directed by Bob Sweeney. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Some light over the pants stuff happened. Fucking pervert, Bob Sweeney. (laughs) Uh, So, this is the most sexually frustrated I've been by an episode of television ever, which is actually kind of giving the episode some credit. It is an extremely accurate simulation of, like, trying to have sex in high school. We have a word for when you're so hungry that you get angry. Is... Horn, horn, no, horn, 
No, that um, would be hungry. That's that's hungry and horny, uh, which I've also been. Uh, Horngur. Horn. Hmm. Furoused. Ooh, like, I like that one. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> like, so you just replace, like, Barney with just, like, 80 other people, and this is pretty similar to what it's like to try to have sex in the suburbs. Uh, <laughs> like, just, like, just uh, constantly someone's popping in, like, what's going on? Yeah. I wanted to murder, like, the first time I watched this, uh, I, I wanted to murder Barney with my hands. Like, also, Andy could have averted this with just a very literal, serious conversation of, like, I guess I have to explain sex to you now. <laughs> my coworker, I didn't see my day going like, I, I didn't see my day going like this. I thought I would probably have to do this to my child first, but sometimes people want to be alone and not with their cousin also there. Uh, this supports my theory that Barney and Thelma Lou have never had sex. You want to do rating for this episode? Yeah, let's do ratings for this episode. Uh, Barney meter. Or no, it's Andy meter. Andy how, meter. How good is this episode? It has points of being legitimately funny. Uh, it genuinely made me, like, feel something that I don't think I've felt from another episode of television. Like, I did feel secondhand sexual frustration from, I think, mostly Andy Griffith's acting. Yeah. And the almost, like, absurdist structure of the world around him where no one understands what intimacy is. Um, so I'm, I'm going to put it at, like, a 7 or an 8. It's ridiculous, but it's kind of ridiculous in, like, an almost, like, postmodern way. I'm going to say it's a 7. I got enough laughs out of it. It's not It's not one of the all-timers that we've seen. but like. it, It's kind of, as, in terms of a literal sequence of events, it does not make any sense, and no character behaves in a way that is at all, like, rational. rational. Or, or, like... Uh, in character? Con yeah, congruent with everything else we've seen of them. But in, like, a Thomas Pinchon, like, this is a simulation of an experience that we have built a story around, it's exceptional. Like... <laughs> Like, they have perfectly simulated uh, just being frustratingly horny. I'm going to say no fifes on this one. Maybe one fife. Like, because uh, it's not gross. It's just weird. Um, I feel like there's probably some bad dating stuff that uh, we didn't really have time to figure out. Yeah, I would say that, like, I don't think Mary... I still don't think Mary's fully into it. I think she was just worn down. I think I, she's... I think she just gives in by Yeah, the end. I think he did the thing of like, well, you keep, you ask 10,000 times and eventually they give up and then realize that they like you after they've given up. Like the the story that like Hank tells on Breaking Bad. Yeah. That was like romantic at the time, but then we're like, eh, it's not great. Um, so I guess there's probably that, which not terrible, not great. And then there's also grossly inappropriate violations of privacy, which like, doesn't inspire any outrage in me, so I won. Yeah, it's, I get a one five. Okay, so uh, make this is a double header. Uh, the next episode we have is season two, episode twenty eight, the Bookie Barber. Yeah. Uh, originally airs nineteen sixty two, April sixteenth. Apparently, I decided to do that a backwards date this time, uh, and is written by Harvey Bullock and R. Allen Safian, who we haven't seen before. Mm hmm. That's a cool fucking name. It's a great name. I have no other thoughts. And is directed by the human equivalent of Socks Under Birkenstocks, Bob Sweeney. His family is doing an intervention to get him to stop wearing paperboy hats, Bob Sweeney. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, if you look behind you, you'll notice that I actually own a paperboy hat now. Overall, I'm neutral on paperboy hats. I tried to pull one off for about... Uh, it's actually so... Um, 
I'm on wiki keys for some activism I did in college, uh, which I'm fine with. It's a Republican database of yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. of socialists and activists. Uh, I would be proud of this, except it was during the period in my life where I was trying to pull off the paperboy hat, and I could not pull off the paperboy hat. Uh, little Yenta tweeted something today that she was yeah. like like joining the DSA just so she could run for steering committee and ban paperboy hat from DSA. I yeah, yeah. No. I think you have to be over thirty to rock a paperboy hat. I am over thirty and what happened was I I've been putting this off for a long time. It's just sometimes you pick up a hat and you go, This is a stupid fucking hat yeah. and then you put on the stupid fucking hat as a joke and you go like, Oh shit, I look good in a stupid fucking hat. Yeah. I guess I have to buy the stupid hat now. No one under 30 is allowed to wear a paperboy hat, which someone should have told me when I was in fucking college. Like, there should have just been, like, a person whose job it was at Temple to prevent you from wearing stupid hats. Because there was also a guy who was trying to wear, like, one of those 1930s, like, straw hats that you wore at, like, a pie-eating uh, competition. <laughs> and and someone should have helped that poor boy. The dean of, like, basic fashion. Yeah! Just... Yeah, just just somewhat like a, a a school advisor, but from preventing you from making catastrophic fashion de- uh, fashion decisions. So here's the one sentence summary from Wikipedia. Floyd lets an out of town barber rent out his shop, but the new tenant turns out to be running an illegal gambling operation. Yeah, we've introduced a new crime to the city: gambling. Which honestly, I'm a little surprised they haven't busted out before, since it's a pretty like. It's the perfect crime for the Andy Griffith Show because it's completely harmless and, I guess, just easy to do. They can't do murder or, like, or anything, so it's just been moonshining and pickpocketing. So the episode opens up with Aunt B and Opie walking into the jail, mm-hmm. and they're arguing about something. And Opie's just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Can we ask Pa? And oh, Andy's just like, "What? what is going on here? What don't you want to do? And it's Aunt, not like I have a job or anything. Come, yeah. go, go for it. And Aunt B just says, he doesn't want to get a haircut, and I think it's time for him to get one. And Opie's argument is like, I can still see. There's no hair in my eyes. I don't need a haircut. And Andy's like, yeah, I guess that's one way to tell if you need a haircut. You know what the other way to tell if you need a haircut is? Your Aunt B tells you. Boom! Slam! And Yeah, fuck you, child. And then uh, Opie's like, I don't want to get a haircut because then the hair falls on the back of my neck and makes me itchy. And Andy's just like, you can take a bath, you <laughs> filthy heathen. <laughs> you idiot child. <laughs> yeah. You can take a bath and, and wash it off. It's and, mild discomfort, you moron. And Opie's like, I gotta get take a bath too? What the hell? Today sucks. <laughs> Dennis the Menace is having a terrible day. <laughs> illiterate little shit. <laughs> uh, I wonder if he's still illiterate. Probably not anymore. <laughs> Uh, I saw Solo. Uh, <laughs> kind of indicates that he is. Oh, wait. You see the movie Solo? Yes. Did... Oh, I thought talking about Ron Howard. Oh, no. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, Opie. He was illiterate in the first season. I used to call him that illiterate little dipshit all the time. <laughs> uh, coming down hard on Solo. You're going to get us yelled at by some weirdo on Twitter still fighting that battle. No one liked that movie. Yeah. Uh, so they go to the they go to the barber shop. Uh, Floyd is dying. Floyd is dying. He's he's in the middle of giving Barney a haircut, but he's just like stressing out because like he's so overbooked and he's got like two or three people waiting and Barney's giving him shit like you're rushing through my haircut. What the hell? And the phone rings 
And, like, he yells at the person on the phone, like, no, I can't get you in right now. Come back this afternoon. Yeah, so he's drowning in customers. He's, like, cutting people's hair while on the phone and yelling at them to not come so early. Finally, Barney gets up. He's like, what the hell, dude? My sideburns are still not at, are still not right. Yeah. Uh, and this is, like, the first time Floyd's ever really, like, come back and be like, your ears are different sizes. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, you, you're you a mutant. I can't make your sideburns right because you got a shitty idiot head. Get the <laughs> fuck out of my store. Uh, and so, <laughs> enter Andy and Opie. Floyd kind of does, like, the claw from Liar Liar. He's like, yeah. I'm worried that if I keep doing this so fast, I'm going to get Barber's claw. Like, he's worried that his, his hands are going to lock up in, like, scissors position. Yeah. Um... Which, I mean, this is the price of having a monopoly in the town. Is yeah, you, man. You have to work a bunch. Yeah, man. This is what you get. Yeah. Just, like, I don't know, dude. Use a calendar. Um, yeah, just have people call in advance. And, and then schedule for the day. Don't have, like, all walk-ins. Whatever. So... Yeah, fucking... So he does that, and he's, like, complaining a whole bunch. Uh, uh, there's a little bit of banter between Barney and Andy about the sideburns and the ear joke happens again. That joke was real funny the first time. Let's do it again. Yeah. Uh, the, the specific joke is like, oh, your ears are different sizes. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so... Floyd is giving Opie a haircut. Uh, Opie's, like, complaining about getting a haircut, and uh, Floyd's all like, just you wait. I'm going to give you many, many haircuts. You're going to deal with this your whole life now, sucker. <laughs> uh, enter this dude, like, his name is Bill Medwin, is the name of this character. It's the most, just guys, give them a name that is at all distinct. Remember that guy whose name was Fergus? Yeah. Yeah. Like, can you bust out another Fergus so I can tell these motherfuckers apart? And this guy walks in with, like, the most suspicious story. He basically comes in straight out of Guys and Dolls, and he's yeah. basically like, yeah, see? He's a, I just came in from the bus, and uh, there's nothing suspicious about me at all. He's a Dick Tracy villain. Yeah. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. He's a, so I happen to be a Bob of myself, and uh, I was wondering if you needed some help around here. I, uh, I'll set it all up on commission. You don't have to pay me. We'll have a two-chair shop. It'll be easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be a shame if uh, you missed customers because you didn't have enough chairs here. Great shop you got here. Be a shame if uh, something would happen to it. Like, it's a basically... Yeah. Like, it's the most obvious shakedown you can possibly make, but Andy comes in and he's like, Hello, I'm the sheriff. <laughs> this is all benign. <laughs> yeah, I have no problem. And he actually encourages it. Like, yeah. Barney, Andy actually says, like, Floyd, this would be great. You could have two chairs, no waiting. I... Which is the name of our competition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm naming things poorly today. Uh, there actually is a, like, official, not unofficial, but there actually is a, like, actual Andy Griffith <laughs> fan podcast uh, called Two Chairs No Waiting. Yeah. Uh, it's hosted by a guy named Alan Newsom, uh, who someday we're going to meet, probably at, like, Mayberry Days or whatever. He might kill us. I he I feel like I kind of want to hang with this guy. He's so weird. We've made our we we've made a game of mocking his life's work. He's so he's the guy that has a dedicated Andy Griffith genuine fan podcast about how much he likes the show. Oh, he, like he has like Eleanor Donahue and people on. Oh yeah, no, he's been doing this for ten years. He's yeah. a big deal in this community, and like they actually gave him a medal. Yeah, the, the city of uh, Mount Pilot, the that has the Mayberry Days, gave him an award. 
as he was dressed up like cosplaying uh, Floyd the Barber. He would... We can never meet him. He'll kill us. I've talked a lot about people that liking, like, the Andy Griffith show killing us. Mostly it's been a joke. He would 100%, I don't know why it's a crossbow, but he'd shoot us with a crossbow. You know, in a way, I'm sure that this guy is the weirdest human being on the planet, but in a way, I kind of, like, I respect him. I I respect the hell out of him for building this community and maintaining it over the better part of a decade. Yeah, but we can never meet him. I'm, this is like a self-preservation thing. I don't want to die. (laughs) <laughs> and like he's we're we're enemies we don't i respect him but we are we are anti the andrew Griffin show. we were we were but season we, we, one we, we were on the fence for season one season two set us over yeah no we are like it's it's just our, our lauded nature he is a mongoose and we are cobras like we are destined to fight forever and eventually we will kill each other in this also he is uh like, so much bigger than us, so... I wonder if we're even vaguely on his radar. I have no idea. Yeah. We will be once I make us join the Andy Griffith Show Rerun Watchers Club. I'm still gonna do it. <laughs> You've been talking about that for, like, a year and a half. You've been talking about that for longer than we've been doing the podcast. Anyway, so this guy walks in, and he now becomes a barber. This is the second time that Floyd has just hired somebody to work in the shop with no, like follow through at all he sputters he does his oh i'm weird oh i'm so nervous i don't know what to do about this i I, the character's whole thing is anytime he has to make a decision he has a stroke and shits his pants (laughs) like he's like floyd what do you want to do (laughs) like he phases in and out of existence Quado from Total Recall grows out of his chest and then dies. And he's just like, yes! Oh, God! (laughs) Don't ask me questions! It causes me physical pain! You've actually got this written here that Floyd is doing some weird acting. He's going nuts. I still... The actor is, like, definitely asking questions in between takes of, like, what is my deal? (laughs) (laughs) Like... What? Guys, I've been doing this for two seasons now. What is Floyd's deal? And Bob Sweeney's just like, shut up. <laughs> We're almost done. Just go. Uh, so I guess that's the end of this scene. Um, a couple days later, like a new customer, the biggest fucking like mafia dude you can imagine, like comes in. Um, just another dude that does not have a chin, but not in terms of it being concave like Don Knotts. Like, his head just extends out of his neck. It's almost like a tube of cookie dough. It's like a human form of the big red monster from Looney Tunes, Gossamer. Yeah! Yeah. Um, and so Floyd is standing outside just welcoming men into his shop. Like, oh, come in, come in, come in, come in, come in. Yeah. Uh, tells Barney and Andy that this new barber not only does haircuts he does shampoos for 85 cents he does facials for a dollar facials yeah. he's giving a bunch of people facials yep, he's giving all the facials um supposed to make your face better is the way that uh, <laughs> yeah, just, like, puts it. Makes just not like your skin better it's like fixes up your face yeah. yeah yeah uh this giant man who's like full of pimples and pockmarks uh walks out this edward james almost looking motherfucker yeah and uh floyd's like how are things going? Fine. And he just mm-hmm. walks away. Yeah. Uh, but that guy had a facial. <laughs> and Barney and Andy are like, 
wonder what he looked like before his facial. Yeah, Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, this dude is very ugly. And um, Andy and Barney are like, no follow-up questions. This is really an episode of no follow-up questions. Until the next scene, which is, I guess, the next day, where uh, they're wandering around and Barney and Andy see the same three dudes go yeah. back into the into the barbershop. This and was Andy's like, that's weird. Who goes to the barbershop twice in two days? And the answer is you, Andy. Yeah. That's where you all just hang out. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, now that I'm thinking about it, this could not be a worse front for a thing that people need to go to multiple times yeah, regularly. on a regular basis. Because, like, they did pick a once-a-month thing. Yeah. And, require like, gambling requires constant participation yeah so i mean what like they could have done literally anything else but they picked the one thing in the town that like because they went to the place where the sheriff was like hey there i'm andy griffith i hang out here all the time my shop at the cross the street they could have probably like bullied fred goss into doing it like people go to the cleaners all the time yeah no great fred goss would have been like that's cool that's cool are any of you guys cheating on your wives? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the problem would be that Fred Goss couldn't keep his mouth shut. Um, eventually, they'd have to kill him. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a net win for you and I. That would rule. We never have to see that horrible character on screen ever again. Uh, so, I bet he's going to get like four episodes just devoted to his adventures. So anyway, uh, I guess like Barney misunderstanding psychology and mispronouncing things is going to be a regular recurring gag. Yeah. Because... He figures maybe those gentlemen have, uh, like, OCD. They have a compulsion. Yeah. They got that compulsion disorder. You know, some people got, like, a hand-washing compulsion. These folks got a, a haircut compulsion. And that's the joke. Andy's just like, they got what now? Compulsion. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> like, they don't do, like, he doesn't do, like, a pun off of it. He's just like, hey, audience. This guy doesn't know words. <laughs> it's such a shitty, lazy bit that I probably have liked on, uh, I have liked on Parks and Rec. That's Andy's whole deal. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, inside the, like, gamblers give us, like, the amount of, uh, exposition that we yeah. need. They tell the audience that this is a gambling front. Can't believe you're running a gambling front out of this barbershop. Uh, and think you just, got run out of town. Another guy bursting like, is this the gambling front? Yeah. Like, <laughs> is this the place where I come to gamble? I'm here to drop off. I've been running uh, bags of money all over the state. I'm here as part of your gambling ring to drop off the money. All right, I'm going to leave. I have nothing else to say to you guys, my coworkers and friends. <laughs> like, it's just a bunch of dudes doing exposition at each other. It's horrible. Oh, you think that's bad? Mm. The next fucking scene. What's the next fucking scene, The next Marty? fucking scene is third party exposition. The next party, the next scene is Aunt B for ten minutes reciting gossip that she heard from Sarah the telephone operator. Who is apparently just bugging the whole thing. Yeah! <laughs> this is definitely, I don't know if illegal, but something like it. Yeah. So, so basically, Sarah is overhearing conversations uh, because she's the telephone operator. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever see Sarah. Um, I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, and so she told Aunt B all this information, and Aunt B is now relaying it to Andy forever. I will say... Uh, this is a 
solid uh, joke about fucking. Uh, <laughs> this is a... I again, uh, it's it's not a filthy joke. It's for the Andy Griffith show, fucking raunchy. It's this is by the Andy Griffith show standards. This is Howard Stern, where it's just basically her saying like, "So this guy has a lot of dates with a lot of different girls," and she's describing what she thinks is the girls this guy uh, is seeing, but in reality, it's like horses that he's bet on, and it's like. He was seeing someone called Old Mary who was too fast and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Lindy Lou was supposed to come in at 10 to 1, but she never even showed. And, like, supposed to go to her place. Yeah, yeah. so... And and Andy's like, show? Place? Where but, are those words So when Andy Griffith... Oh, wait, sorry, what Aunt B thinks she's doing is like, So, Andy, uh, this guy that just moved to town... Let me tell you about all the nuts he's busting. <laughs> like, that's what she thinks she's doing. I'm like, so this guy, he's blowing loads. And all these women are sluts, Andy. They're, he's bad. There's a fucking sex maniac in town. I'm not upset. Another of- one. Besides me. <laughs> I'm going to fuck him. It sounds like he's really good at it, Andy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what Aunt B thinks she's doing. It's just like, let's drop some hot goss about this guy and his fucking. Um, so back to the jail, uh, Andy calls Barney in and is like, hey, so that's a gambling ring. And yeah. Barney's like, well, we gotta go shut that shit down. Like, he's ready to go. He wants to go tear gas yeah, the fucking shop. He wants, yeah, he's like, I'm gonna bust out the tear gas. We're going to need mortars. Like, he's ready to pull out a raid on the fucking barbershop yeah. across the street. And then uh, Andy's like, well, we don't really have any evidence of this yet, so we can't do that. He, uh, he's not at all like, no. <laughs> like, yeah. he's not like. He doesn't say we shouldn't do that. He says, wait. Yeah. We'll do that in a minute. Uh, so Barney's like, well, we could send someone undercover. Uh, and so one of the people he suggests to go undercover is an old lady, and he suggests Emma. Which, thank fucking God, she doesn't oh. come back. And I was like, oh my God, we have to reveal, we've gone so long without Emma. Do you think that she's got to be dead? Oh, she's probably dead. Yeah. Uh, I think we're safe. I think it's over. I think the national nightmare is over of us having to hear Emma's voice. R.I.P. Cheerio Meredith, which was her actual name. Uh, Uh, So, but... Gone, but unfortunately never forgotten. Yeah. And so, Andy's like, well, we can't use that because, like, so much shit could go wrong. You can't endanger a civilian. So Barney's like, well, how can I Bugs Bunny this shit up? Yeah. So Andy just, like, leaves. He just goes somewhere. He's just like, well, this conversation's done. All right. Bye. So I've uh, I've just kind of left a loaded handgun on the table for you. So in typical Andy Griffith fashion, peace. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is actually, I think, the most illegal thing that has happened on the show. Similar to the You've last... You've said this so many times. It's really... It's a, a hot streak of what happened. But you remember how, like, the last time Barney did Entrapment, I was like, this is Barney learning Entrapment? This is literally the Wikipedia definition of Entrapment, what Barney is about to do. Because he rolls into the barber shop and he says, Hello, I am someone who is not a cop. I would like all of you to do crimes with me. I am soliciting you in explicit terms, to do a crime with me. I am not a police officer. 
and they're all like, what the fuck? But that is literally like, he does the definition of entrapment. I, I, I really like how you went through all of that and you didn't mention that he was dressed as an old woman. He is dressed as an old woman. <laughs> I wanted to get to it in time. I wanted to make that his, its own thing. Because I didn't want to confuse our audience and them think like, is the dictionary definition of entrapment you have to be dressed as a woman? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That, no, separate. the law. It's not entrapment if you're not just like a woman. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so so Barney does Bugs Bunny this shit. He dresses like a little old lady. He figures if I can't get Emma, I'll become Emma. Which I kind of. So he walks in and he's like, "I'm an old lady," and he's not doing a good job of being an old lady. And they're all like. This checks out. Yeah, Which, I kind of think my theory about this is that, like, in the 1960s, they were so, like, the idea of a man or male-presenting person in a dress was so alien to them that if you just walked in in a dress, they'd be like, it's clearly a lady, because why else would a man be in a dress? That's impossible. That's physically impossible. It helps that Barney looks like an old woman. Debatable. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to fight you on that. I don't see it. Fair. Yeah. Uh, uh he's not doing a good lady voice. He's like, no, no. Yeah. But otherwise, like, I don't know, I'm fairly convincing. But yeah, no, the, 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 the gamblers are just like, uh-huh. Yeah. Like, they don't question the old lady part. None of, nobody mentions, like, the dress or anything. They're just like, you are quite obviously a cop. Yeah, this is the most cop a cop has ever been. This old woman should retire from the police force because she's not good at this. I'm So I'm not exaggerating at how explicit <laughs> Barney is in this. Because he's like, my daughter, who is a horrible, monstrous beast, an absolute pig, won't let me gamble in the house. So I wanted to come here to do some illegal gambling. Uh, because my, my, my daughter, who is a filthy bitch, I don't know why he's like, he really talks <laughs> shit, just, on, just this shit on this imaginary daughter. daughter. Yeah. Just goes in on this fake daughter. <laughs> Won't let me do gambling in the privacy of my own home, so I need to come here to do an illegal gambling, which I think you guys might do and I want to do with you. Please take my money for some illegal gambling. And then, like... Like, I don't know, he could have pulled it off, except then he looks directly at the black bag, and he's like, so is that where you keep all the illegal money and illegal... And then he just dives for it. (laughs) Oh, that's some cool evidence you got. Yeah. Then he just dives for it, and then they dive after him. Uh, And, like, would probably just straight up murder him. If not for the fact that um, Opie goes and squeals on it. Like, Opie tells Andy... Hey, we saw Barney, and he was dressed like an old lady, and it was really fucking weird. Okay, bye. For the most part, they were pretty chill about it. They were like, oh, Barney, you're in a dress. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. And they're like, all right, Barney's making decisions, and we're not really going to judge the validity of those decisions. Which, you'd think that they would have, like, followed him around for four hours. Yeah. Nope. Instead, they're just like, okay, well, you're weird. Bye. Yeah. And We've come to expect this. So, uh, Andy comes into the barbershop in the middle of those guys just beating the shit out of yeah. uh, uh, Barney, basically. And while that happens, the bag, like, drops open and they drop all the money. Yeah. And Andy's like, well, there's my evidence. I had probable cause. Time to arrest you all. Bye. Yeah. Uh, and that's 
pretty much it. Like, the stinger is, uh, Floyd talks about the guy disappearing, but he's like, he, this is, my favorite part is, uh, Floyd says, I've been getting phone calls for that guy all day. And you know what? Those were for women. There was like, a tiger lily is supposed to come in at ten to one, but he's not going to be here, so I'm going to take her out myself. (laughs) Fucking pimp move, Floyd. Isn't Floyd married? Uh, maybe. Floyd's married. Oh. Yeah, that's right. No, no. has he mentioned kids? He's mentioned nieces and nephews. He, yeah, he, his kid has been on the show. He yeah, tried to get yeah. his kid a record deal and bought a bunch of shoes. Oh, maybe his wife divorced him. <laughs> right. Um, wait, no, divorce isn't a thing for another 20 years. Yeah, no, uh, so his wife faked her death. His, his wife died and definitely didn't run off with Jim Lindsay when he was in town. Basically, Floyd is like, I'm going to cheat on my wife this week. <laughs> Hell yeah. Except he's not. He's talking about a fucking horse. You he's actually like, wrote... I'm going to cheat on my wife with a horse this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you actually wrote in the uh, in the notes, quote, I don't know. He says some shit. Yeah. End quote. I zoned out. <laughs> I always zone out during the epilogues now. <laughs> like, you were telling me that and I was hearing it for the first time. So there we go. That's that episode. Uh, ratings? Candy um, meter. It's a five. Yeah. For me. Yeah. There's nothing. Really. I like it's that not... we always agree on the meters. Yeah. Uh, like one of us says it first and the other one says, that sounds right. <laughs> We've disagreed a couple times, but yeah, for the most part. Not like, in a yeah. long time. Yeah. It's, it's season two, baby. Mm. Uh, we're, we're numb. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's not that. I, I just for the sake of differentiation, I'm going to say a four. Yeah. I didn't like this episode. Barney oh, Meter. Barney Meter. Again, this is textbook illegal. There is no way in hell this conviction holds up in a world with any... Actually, this was before the Warren Court. This right. might have been during... The... So this would have held up. Yeah, no, this, this was legal at the time. Yeah. It's just shitty. But, so this is dictionary uh, entrapment. So also significantly less shitty about the whole man in a dress thing than I think they would have been. Like I mean, uh, the, that the, does balance out. Cause the, the the joke is still haha a man in a dress. But I honestly think it's sort of like they're not like homophobic or anything. But I think it's sort of like not for good reasons. I think it's the point of like they haven't like accepted the idea that that could be a thing. Yeah. Like so they're not like it's like it's they're it's not homophobic, but just because that hasn't even occurred to them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, it, no, it doesn't really balance out. I'm going to put this at an, I feel like I'm obliged to put it at an eight just because like illegality, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say a four because yes, that is fucking entrapment, but it's the kind of the same shit that would have, that, that would fly on like Brooklyn nine, nine or whatever. Like, like this is the kind of shit that like most fiction cops do. Wait, holy shit. How many times have I watched uh, entrapment on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, at least a dozen, man. What the fuck? <laughs> they definitely like show, like, just go up to people, like, "I'm a criminal. I want to do crimes." Uh, and then the guys, and then they arrest the person. They do entrapment on that show a lot. Oh well, yeah, t- TV. TV has no like concept of how cops should actually work, and that's how, why TV is so horny for cops. How does television talk about cops so often and still doesn't understand how the like? arresting people works i don't know it's insane i don't know so yeah i i have to i have to like i can't give it like fault that for too much because it's just that's just tv cop shit uh i mean it did ruin brooklyn 99 for me so i'm gonna put it at an eight okay fair enough yeah
so that's it for this episode. Um, as always, remember, you know, you can get at us on Twitter. We are on Twitter at Break Mayberry. I'm on Twitter at Schneid Remarks. I'm on Twitter at The Luds. And uh, if you like what we're doing and you don't want to support us with money, you can uh, share, you know, write, give ratings and reviews. Ratings and reviews are really helpful for us to get into search results and hear, have other people hear us. If you do want to support us with money, you can help us on uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, we just started a Discord channel. Yeah. Uh, which is cool, where all of our subscribers come and hang out, and they can suggest episodes if you're at a certain tier for us to watch. Uh, um, all uh, all of those notifications go like straight to my phone, so if you ever want to like hurt my feelings over the course of a day and you're a Patreon subscriber, you can do that now. Uh, it's so much fun, guys. Yeah. Like, I do it all the time. I just text him just like, no one will ever love you. And it's, it's been, it's been a joy. Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, it's, it's really, it's the highlight of Marty's day. The cornerstone <laughs> of this podcast is really animosity. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, come join our Patreon, support the show and get into that Discord channel where we'll talk about different shows or video games or stuff. I don't know. Hang with us. And it's also a place where you can suggest episodes for bonuses, which uh, is something we're trying to do tailored to what you guys want a little bit more. Right now it's just been like shit that we like. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. Uh, We got a bonus episode coming up. Uh, uh, You're going to make me watch anime again, right? Unless someone in the Discord requests something specifically different, then yes, you're about to watch some more anime with the Stanford Anime Experiment. That's fair enough. As okay. recommended by Jack Royce. Okay, cool. So that's going to be fun. Um, that's pretty much it for us. Make sure you listen to our new theme music. Thank you again to the Brothers Rye. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at, listen afterwards for our brand new uh, audio play. The Fife Letters. The Fife Letters. I yeah. like that. Okay, that's it for that episode. We'll see you all down at the fishing hole. Y'all come back now. Give it one more chance, darling, before we get to old. Season's over, this town's drunk dry. Pull the sheds on the windows, ain't no shame to hide. They won't know the wicked toe, leaves on all my shoes. Plywood on the window, them all season blue. And now, a Breaking Mayberry special presentation. Barney's Day Out by Not Your Guts and Jack Royce. Starring Erotic Don Knotts. Episode 1. Dear Andy, boy how the time does fly. Can't believe it's been over a year since I decided to run for president of these fine United States. My time in the old district of Columbia has sure been exciting. I expect you'll want to hear the whole story, as well as I can tell it. I know the papers probably got some of it, but this is the real stuff. 
The sort of stuff they'll put in my biography someday. Well, anyway, here goes. You might recall that Abraham Lincoln won his presidency, even though he didn't do a liquor campaign, and I figured I could do the very same. Lo and behold, if it was good enough for Honest Abe, that was good enough for Marty. You may not have known it, but I'd throw my hat into the ring a full six months before election day. I was there at the station, doing my normal duties. Good old Mayberry the whole time. Even then, those votes came rolling in. As you already know, I set off for the Capitol when the time was a-coming. Funny thing, though! Andy! Your cousin here swept the polls in a landslide. Those Ivy League yahoos in Washington just couldn't believe a humble man of the people like me could be the president in this day and age. They're pretty determined to keep me out of that White House. Let me tell you, that incumbent imbecile brought all his best men to keep the common man from his rightful place. That big old throne, that Oval Office. Joke's on him, though. I expect you read the news on this. Let me give you the real scoop. Yes, a bullet from my gun ended up in the president's skull. I will admit to that much. I swear on my mother's undug grave I wasn't aiming for him. It's just a warning shot to all those men coming for me. That warning shot just happened to hit a window. But who should be right behind that window there? In that white house but the president. What luck, I thought. Well, they pinned me to the lawn. Now, I don't have to convince that silly man that he lost the election. Took care of that problem lickety split, I tell you. Now, my time in this cell, I've been told a few times that killing the president doesn't make you a president. I swear to you, Andy. We learned in school about some guy named Chuck Cadeau. Who had the same sort of understanding of how this country worked that I did. Did they or did they not change the rules after he mucked it up? Anyway, I anxiously await your reply. Love to you and yours, President-elect Marty Five. <laughs>